0: Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection, and sometimes disconnect, between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Thank you for joining us another episode of Fluff and Crunch. I am Jeremy and I am with Chris and we're going to talk today about why some settings and some genres are just really difficult to express well through a tabletop RPG. I'm going to talk about a couple of examples but as we've been
1: doing let's start off with what have you been doing in gaming in the last week or so? Uh, I haven't done any role playing but I did actually play my first in-person miniatures game which i haven't done since i don't know september last year (laughs) right on what was it it's been a while huh what was it uh the new uh marvel miniature marvel crisis protocol that's the it's a funny game in that it it sort of launched in theory it launched right at the end of 2019 and then it was just starting to get going and then obviously covid happened so people weren't able to run events until like the summer at and they, you know, they had a good sort of six months of people being into the game, and they were keeping the game running. But everything had to be online. Um, and then there was a, f- you know, I managed playing a few events last summer and get a few games with other people. And then again, then we have had kind of lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. So it's become really big online. Lots of people play it over tabletop simulator, which I'm actually playing in a game later tonight. But yeah, I actually had a, a real live in person game with another person. Um, our gaming club, which I haven't done now for, I think that's probably yeah, going back to sort of October time. So that was nice. How that's about excellent. you? That's excellent.
0: That's I, excellent. I played in my fifth edition EverQuest uh, game that a buddy of mine is running. We did that last week. I know. Uh, and uh, we're taking this weekend off because he's away with some friends. And I also, I've been meaning to do this for a while. But I pulled off the shelf in my closet these. I have a number of old Avalon Hill bookcase games from the 70s and 80s, like wow. Panzer Leader and 1776 and Starship Troopers from 1976, like these ancient games that my brother, my oldest brother, used to play. And so I broke those out and I started puttering around with those because I've, I'm. Figuring out how to use Vassal. I don't know if you've ever heard of Vassal. Yes, I have. Unfortunately, tried to use Vassal. Yeah, I'm I'm attempting for like the third time to figure out how to use it because my oldest brother lives out of state, and I'd love to be able to play those things with him. But I have to be able to, I have to learn them first before mm-hmm. I can play them. So that's what I've been doing over the last week: sitting in my garage and playing 1776 and Starship Troopers by myself, <laughs> and and then in my fifth edition uh, EQ game. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. And then everything here, obviously, like we were just talking about, like the school year's ending and everything's wrapping up and summer is about to start for us. And so we can have a good amount of time to focus on those things. Cool. So let's, let's talk about what, what settings and what genres. Specifically, I think we're more leaning towards settings, but there's definitely a big genre sitting there in our conversations yeah. that we think is really tough to express well at the table. Uh, do we want to dive right into some specific examples, or talk about it in generalities?
1: What do you uh, think? I think I think we should get straight into your setting. So the first one that we both mostly you mentioned, but I kind of agreed with, was was Star Trek. Now I've only ever played Star Trek from the from the new one, the two D twenty one, but I am aware that there was previous ones in the past.
0: Yeah, Star Trek is tough. I have been a Star Trek fan for uh, as long as I can remember. I inherited books and things like that from my older brothers. I remember watching it when I was a kid in syndication like 40 some odd years ago. And I have played three different versions. I played the old Fossa version from the 80s. I played the last unicorn version, which was in the late 90s, very short-lived. And now I've played the Modiphius version of it. And um, yeah, Star Trek has always been really tough. And I think in two ways that... Star Trek has a very clear vibe, for lack of a better word, especially yep. if you're playing Starfleet characters. It has a very specific vibe, and so I'll dispense with my first major issue or challenge with the game first by just saying it's really hard to find the right players,
1: you know, because you can't have murder hobos in Starfleet. No, I was very impressed that when I played with my players, who normally, as I've previously mentioned, kill everything around, that actually in Star Trek. I think it helps that one of them was, a like you said, a massive star rank. He, he grew up on the original series and then like next gen and the other player, he's like me, he, he you know, he knows about the original, he's seen the films, but we, big, we were big time, like next gen fans. And actually they did totally buy into it, um, which for them was amazing. Cause yeah, they didn't kill everything. It was, it was science and, you know, diplomacy and uh, no, you know, not even fist fighting gorns on the top of mountains.
0: Yeah. With a double Kirk punch. the laced fingers double kirk punch yeah my my challenge has been over the years that my primary gaming group for most of the last many many years was made up of people who are really into fantasy gaming and the idea of playing characters that don't or at least don't have on the a list of options violence unchecked violence as a way to solve problems that that's that's a that's been tough I have had those instances over the years, though, where people have, have uh, you know, you get the right people who are interested in having that vibe. And I think it's entirely possible that you have folks who can buy into a given, an existing setting. I know Star Wars is one of the things we'll chat about here in a moment. Yeah. It, it's not necessary that you have, like, the super fan. You know, I don't have Mr. Spock tattooed on my back or something like that, <laughs> uh, thankfully. You can have a casual fan, and I think a balance of those people is is probably pretty good. But the bigger issue that I've had actually outside of trying to find the right people is the system. FASA system, you said, you know, you're not familiar with it, but they produce tons of tons of, of mm-hmm. stuff, adventures and source books and things like that. But that was a percentile based system. I mean, it's very dated now. You know, the system came out in the early to like 83, 84, somewhere in that time frame, maybe even a little bit earlier, but very much one of those systems of its time where, okay, you're of you a 60% and it's a minus 10. So you have a 50% and it just percentile yeah. based. And I felt like that did not express that didn't enable us to express. We didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it didn't actually make it feel anything about the system. Didn't make it feel like star Trek. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I think you know our conversation about modif about Two Die Twenty being cinematic, um, being very flexible in terms of how you go about solving things uh, mechanically and how you take your character and express it through those roles to try to make sense of things and 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 you know solve problems. I think if you have the right people, the system facilitates
1: that. That old FASA system. Look back on it now. Clearly, it it we would not. Yeah, I think one of the problems it's one of the things that the 2d twenty has got really right is, you know, I mean, the combat actually might still, like you said, ship combat, obviously that's, that's an issue, but ship combat, isn't a thing that happens regular in Star Trek. You know, then with Star Trek series, you might go episodes without ship combat, but you're definitely going to have to have meetings with other people and you're going to have to have weird science stuff. And I think the weird science is one of the biggest problems. It's like, right. You know, this might be a thing which takes half the episode and they're trying one thing. That doesn't they try another thing. And I kind of like role playing. That would be really difficult when you've got players going. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try and do a science thing, and they they pass or fail their science role. It doesn't matter whether they pass or fail. It's more the fact that how do they even know what to do? They're not Starfleet officers, and for a start, all the stuff in Star Trek is totally made up. So if you've got someone who's completely casual, how do <laughs> how do they know? Wait, it's made up. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, like, if you've got a proper casual, they'll know. You know, they might know what the warp core is and they understand like the shields, and that's it. Whereas like a, a someone properly hardcore will understand, you know, how how what like the enterprise works and what all the different bits do. And, and if you've got a mixer though, if you've got the, the hardcore guys, they can probably genuinely figure out an answer to, you know, some alien things doing something and you they can work out how to do it. But if you've got casuals, they're like, I don't know, I am gonna press buttons and make some science stuff up. And that's very, very like how, how is you as a GM even come up with that stuff that you want the players to give you the solutions, but the players don't know because funnily enough, they're not. 24th century scientists and engineers, you know, because they're, <laughs> because they're not. Um, and so actually 2D20 did this amazing job of, of solving that problem, because I think that's a massive problem. Um, and that's the problem you needed to solve. And they, and they did solve that problem.
0: Yeah, I think really granular skill-based systems like the old FASA one was, they break down. They break down in their attempt to have an answer for everything. They have a line yeah. item you know, a skill. Like, I, I'm thinking right now off the character sheet, the entire bottom half of the character sheet was taken up by three columns of skills. So you'd have, like, transporter systems operations, transporter system technology, electronics <laughs> technology. So that what they tried to do is be very granular and detailed and thus provide answers for everything. But in so doing, they created something that, again, it was a product of its times. Am I fixing the train? Like, where does the line between electronics technology and ship's power systems and my transporter system, like, where do those line? And and at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter because it's all made yeah. up. I, lo- I love the fact that, uh, you know, the, the new system has that flexible modularity between, you know, you have six uh I, maybe the, the correct term is escaping me. You have six skills or disciplines rather than you have six attributes, but they're not married to one another. You can interchange yeah. them. So you could use your daring coupled with your engineering. You could use reason coupled with engineering, depending on how you're going about trying to solve the problem or figure out an answer. And that old system, again, because it was so, so attempted to go into such detail. And the the last unicorn system was, more in that direction, far more in that direction than the the two die twenty version of it. So I think that's really important. Is the system's got to be flexible and it has to, it's got to clear the road for Star Trek, for weird science and mm-hmm. and and Gonzo almost absurd problem solving because it's people sitting around the table coming up with. Answers that sound Star Trekian yeah. so that they feel Star Trekian at the table, not going through these heaps and heaps of skills. And make, again, like you said, making these roles that, regardless of how high your number is, are essentially binary in nature. You either pass it or you
1: fail it. And that's all it offered. I think any game where the huge chunk of it is a kind of, you're going to have to use science to solve a problem or something like that, where But the problem is, is that you would have to have incredibly well educated in that field to be able to solve the problem and the players aren't. So then either as the GM, you have to give them all this information, which they potentially don't understand, or you have to just dumb it down to a make a science role. You passed. Yay. We've solved it. You know, it was a half an hour of the episode in the Star Trek episode, but we just solved it with one role. Uh, Let's now go and do a lot of fighting because that'll actually take up a lot of time. And that doesn't feel like Star Trek. Um, so I mean, I mean the only other game I've seen similar to it. There's a there's a comic book called Atomic Robo, where Nikola Tesla created a robot 100 years ago, and he kind of goes through because he's a robot, so he doesn't get old. Um, and there's lots of that. The people he works with are it's like they're, they're action scientists, and so most of the time their solution problem is is science. And that's a role-playing game in well, world that had to solve the similar problem. They did quite a good job. It's not as good as the 2 2 but it's a, it's a similar thing. The players just kind of throw out crazy ideas, and the GM kind of goes, I like that crazy idea, and then kind of worked on an extended task. So they've done it in a very similar way, but they are the same idea that, right, the players aren't going to actually know how to solve this, so we'll just let them come up with something, and then the GM decides which one they like, So rather than a kind of other way around where the players would have to you know, you see in puzzles in a lot of games where, well, they'd have to link this thing, you know, number thing, thing A to thing X and make a connection to thing Z. Uh, and if they make these connections, which might be really arbitrary, but clearly the writer of the system thought they made sense, then they'll be able to solve it. Um, and Star Trek just, th- th- I think that's a really big problem. And the 2D20 system, actually, I think did a really good job of
0: it. also solves outside of science. I mean, if we, you know, science, engineering, we put, we put those things, you No, know, technical. Yeah. Uh, challenges, but it also does that in interpersonal mm-hmm. challenges because you know you could use your presence and your knowledge of science to impress a scientist. You could use your reason and knowledge of science to win them over with logic. Yeah. You, you know they're all different because again it's modular and more on the narrative side. I think that 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 enables you know people to people to work through it again as long as they have the right sense or enough of a sense of the, the yeah. setting to accept that, okay, we're going to use gonzo science and
1: engineering half the time to solve problems. Yeah. I, think, I think for me where the, I think they have nailed quite well, and you said they've nailed the Klingon stuff as well, and I think they have nailed the Starfleet experience. I think another area now actually that when they wrote it, when it came out oh, well, three years ago now, um, they, nailed, they nailed Starfleet. Unfortunately, since then, we've had both Picard and Discovery where, <laughs> not a fan, but in I, I watched Picard and went, I want to play that Star Trek game. I want to play the game where I'm in the Star Trek universe with Star Trek aliens and Star Trek stuff, but I haven't got Starfleet backing me up. But then straight away, it's like, ah, because when you come out of Starfleet, now you do have money and you do have to haggle for things. Starfleet doesn't have that because Starfleet's like a, you know, a, a post-monetary economy. So they don't have to worry about that stuff. So there's no rules for any of that. So you just kind of, kind of you couldn't do it. I looked at the rules and went, I can't, I can't play Cup of Card with the current rule set because I can't just stick a bunch of weirdo randoms on a spaceship, which is going to fall to pieces. And you would have to create an expression of that yourself,
0: which is not, a I mean, it, it's not impossible, but that, you know, do you want to do that? No, I'll just wait for
1: Modiphius to do it. I think it's coming.
0: There you go. Well you know they have I they have the license now for Picard yeah. and and discovery now I have i'll I'll admit this I have not watched any Picard. I have heard about it I have not watched it. I've watched the first few episodes of the first season of Discovery, and I was thoroughly turned off by what they did to my beloved Star Trek. So I will just, it's like for me, there's Terminator and there's Terminator 2. And those are the, there's Alien and there's Aliens. There are none of those other movies. And so I'm happy with those. So I can just, I can just push that part of the made up stuff off to the side.
1: Discovery is very strange in that the first series was very much we're trying to do grown up Star Trek and it's really edgy and they were trying too hard. And then actually the second, well, the sec, the second half of that series, the whole thing was in like a mirror dimension with all the evil people and everything switched around. But then actually in the second series, it came very much back to more classic Star Trek. And you had like a younger Spock and, uh, and, and Pike who ended up being like the best character in it, and he's getting his own series now. Um, and then they just like forgot about all oh, the, Kevin, the newest series, they're way in the future. They're like, they're like way, way, way in the future so they can do their own thing. And cause I think they had realized, Oh, we're like kind of, this doesn't make sense. We've got this ship, which no one's ever heard of doing stuff in the past, which no one relates to and their technology is way above. So they just write, we're going to just flick them into the future. We don't have to worry about this. Now we can do our own thing. And now it's doing its own thing. And actually, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a good. Star Trek, then with a different way of looking at it. But yeah, when it started, I was a bit like, "This isn't." I remember the time there was a program called The Orville, which was a like a comedy version of Star Trek. And at the time, I was very much thinking like, "The Orville is doing a better job of doing Star Trek than Star Trek Discovery is," and it's meant to be sort of taking the mick out of it. But it, it was, it was being, it was kind of doing it in a funny comedy way. But actually, the Star Trek bits were quite serious. It, so, and it had proper storylines and things, and it was genuinely doing a better job of Star Trek than Discovery was. But yeah, um, that's what you know, I'd heard too. Way off uh, <laughs> where we were now. Yeah, oh, I mean, Star true. Trek yeah, to that's, me, is a big That's thing. what
0: I had heard as, as well about about that. Now, what about uh, what about the other star
1: uh, out there, Star Wars? I'm trying, I'm trying not to go into a thing of which one I prefer because I don't want to have an argument. Um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Star Wars is the one I have played, or at least I've looked a lot at all three versions. I definitely played, so the old uh, West End Games version um, back in the day with lots of with like sort of lots of like D6 rolling them out in together, um, and that was good at certain things. Again, like you said with the Phase One, it was it was massively supported. You know, it came out probably in the mid to late eighties, and it, I I some I got into it in the early nineties. So it that ran for sort of ten years or something. And they had they had a lot lots of books, lots of support, lots of adventures um you know i think i i got i got into it around second edition came out um and it did certain things well you could play it you know you could, you could be quite cinematic you could you know you could take down stormtroopers relatively easy um and so that you know that that worked pretty well um i'm deliberately avoiding the problem in all of these and then obviously we had the we had two versions of uh, the wizards of the coast d20 system um where obviously they're right we're going to take our we're going to take our level 1 to 20 West End's D6 version came out
0: in 1987 because it was the 10 year anniversary yeah of Star Wars and I played it a bunch back then and I and you know I don't think I put a whole lot of thought into system story and setting and how I don't I didn't but I remember it being quick yeah and I remember that I was impressed with the fact that the rules were flexible enough to enable you to have blaster battles Uh, uh, break into computers and jump in an A-wing starfighter and take off and and have space battles. It could do all of those things. And again, if you had people who were, I mean you you couldn't find a teenager I think in America in the late 80s that wasn't, that hadn't grown up with Star Wars. You'd find like the kid who'd lived under a rock. And so it was really easy because everybody knew what does Star Wars look like? What does it feel like? Uh. I I had I played the D twenty version an itty bitty bit and it just yeah I'm see you're shaking your head and me too it just didn't work like a level five st- it just didn't work I never played the saga edition which was the like a modified D twenty yeah. it was kind of like D and D
1: fourth edition saga was better saga so, so, the the original D twenty version was we're trying to take D twenty and slap Star Wars over the top and we will have classes um and it will work just like D and you know, but in space but it, it straight away i mean if you try and apply it to star wars you go right okay star wars you've got luke in in, in the first one luke is a nobody he has nothing yes he has the force in the background but he can't do anything but han solo would buy sort of like d20 thing would probably like a level 10 scoundrel slash smuggler, or whatever and princess leia is like anyway you know, level 8 diplomat and Chewbacca would be like level 20 because the guy's like a hundred years old or whatever he is um and so it didn't you couldn't do that you couldn't you could build, do that with per, a, yeah per the mechanics you could never build encounters for that party no well you couldn't so you you, get killed you, your starting level party didn't work because actually you probably did struggle against stormtroopers but as you leveled up you might be able to take them out easy but then you'd have to seek find a new versions of it whereas um in both the like we said the west end games one and the, gen, the fantasy flight which we haven't got to yet you know if They felt a bit more like Star Wars. D20 just doesn't... You haven't got the leveling thing. Yes, you could argue that Luke Skywalker goes from being like the farm boy and then he becomes the Jedi Master. The trouble is no one else had that journey. It's just him. He's the one that like levels up across the entirety of Star Wars. But the rest of them kind of don't really. They were good and they stayed good, which is why a skill-based system makes way more sense. You just, you know... The other people were skilled and got probably broader skills, but started well. And and Luke started off with like maybe he was a really broad and you know, narrowed down. And that's where sort of fantasy flight, I think they did a pretty good job in the fact that you had sort of had classes, but they're not. So if you want to do something really, really narrow, because they did it with a skill tree, you could be, I'm just gonna be a pilot and I'm gonna take all of the pilot. Skills And I'm going to take all of the pilot talent and I'm going to be an amazing pilot. And that's all I want to do. But if you wanted to go, well, I want to be a bit of a diplomat. I'm going to be a bit of a fighter as well and mix it up. You could do that. Um, uh, and you know, they did a good job of that. So playing that game, because like we've mentioned in the past, you know, it has a lot of overlap with 2d20 and you know, you do things and bad things happen while you're succeeding. It, it felt to some extent like you were playing star Wars. Um, and they had good. Like we said, we talked previously about Mook rules. You have to have Mook rules playing Star Wars because I, there has to be a group of five Stormtroopers come up, and you take out the whole lot with one action because they're Stormtroopers; they're absolutely useless. Um, you know, this shouldn't be. I know they're meant to be the Imperial <laughs> shock troops, but they die like red shirts. So a lot of other systems wouldn't let you do that. So the, the, the what became Genesis, so the fancy flight like narrative dice system. Um, I thought that did a really good job of that. I think that the the place
0: where Star Wars as a as a setting struggles in any game is the Force. Yeah, and I have not yet seen. I mean, it, I've not yet seen any game that does it well. You know, I I I think maybe watching the original three movies. You know, four through six. Okay, Darth Vader Force chokes people. Okay, Luke Skywalker can sense targets with his eyes closed or covered, or, yeah. or whatever. Okay, that I could, I can wrap my head around. I, I think you could quantify that, and I think that that kind of stuff could have... I think that was done okay by West End's version.
1: because yeah, they literally named the
0: skills, like, sense right. and so When you watch the Clone Wars cartoon, <laughs> and they're jumping all over the place, and they're throwing stuff all over the place, uh, first off, if that isn't proof that a level-based system for that setting just does not yeah. work... Because Ahsoka Tano as a Padawan would have been like what level 15 or something crazy. I mean, she just nobody else even rates. 90%, 99% of the people on a battlefield aren't even gonna rate compared to her. But I I I have yet to see, even in uh the the fantasy flight version, I've yet to see the force done well because I think there's also something in a lot of contemporary or current systems to strive toward this this
1: murky vague thing called balance yeah you can't have jedi and have balance no both west end games and fantasy flight have kind of tried to fudge it by going well actually we're going to do it in the time period where there aren't any really kick-ass jedis and therefore they're hidden jedis that haven't been trained properly or they're rookie jedis and therefore they won't be that powerful um and so then there's okay it's like but if you wanted to play in either of those systems the properly full-on jedi I don't think you actually can. I mean, I've got books because I think I've had basically all the Star Wars books um, and they have got rules if you want to play in sort of one of those other sort of the earlier time periods of, right, when well, you start with a high level character and you can buy a lot more of the of the Jedi skills, but even then I don't think you can do the kind of stuff you're talking about. Um, ironically, the, the D20 stuff tried to do that a bit more because you had books for those time periods. But like you said, if you start with a lower level character, a Padawan should still be able to you know, run super fast and leap tall buildings with a single bound and all the other cool lightsaber stuff. Um, and if you can do that, then you're massively overpowered, which on the one hand you could say is okay. I mean, I, I have seen this kind of, kind of segue, but it relates. Um, it reminds me of the Buffy, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer game. In that one, you could have someone play a Slayer and the rules kind of went, if you're playing a Slayer, you're just better than everybody else in your party. And that's Okay. Uh, and they would just be better, and the other players would have more sort of like, you know, extra bonus things they could roll, like luck, essentially. The Slayer would just be better, but the other characters would be luckier. Um, And I kind of think that well, that's really what you need to have in a Star Wars game, because the reality is the Jedis can do everything. You know, the Jedis don't need the rest of the party, the party... And so Star Wars is one actually that tends to work better when you don't have a Jedi. And if and ironically if you therefore take the Jedi's out and go we're not playing with Jedi. I and mean, whenever I've played Star Wars I've never played with Jedi. Um, I pretty much always go the kind of smuggler um you know smuggler bounty hunter route. And when I played West End Games we played that and when I played the Fancy Flight I've played that and we've always had a really good time. Um I think if you try and bring Jedi's in I think you need to go all Jedi and just just play it back in the day cuz you know, Knights of the Old Republic or something, then, then it would work. But I'm not sure I've seen a system that actually does that. No,
0: I, I think you're right. There's a few things going on there that, uh, and I've done the same thing, by the way. When when we played way back in the, you know, the West End version, maybe there was one character who had one, they were a minor Jedi. You know, they had one force, they had the, just a little bit. Uh, and, and that was manageable. Yeah. But uh, Fantasy Flight version, you know, we played... Edge of the Empire stuff, and we played some Age of Rebellion, but it was it. The Jedi were a they they existed, you know, to the extent that they did in that that point in the setting. But yeah, it was just easier to just push them off to the side. Um, and uh, I mean, because yeah, again, you watch the Clone Wars, and you've got two Jedi in charge of whole space cruisers. Like, how do you how do you make that work? How do you adjudicate these incredibly flexible powers that are, that can be expressed and you see them expressed in the shows in so many different ways, depending yeah. on the situation. I don't, I haven't
1: seen a system that, that, that does that well. So one of the things I've been trying to do for the last few years, uh, maybe it's longer, oh, an amount of time Um is is have an actual role playing game for a, a big computer game called League of Legends, which you're not familiar with, but plenty of other people are. The thing with League of Legends, the characters, it's normally a fantasy setting, but it runs the, the you know the different. There's like different areas of it, uh, and you've got kind of your standard medieval kingdoms, um, and then you've got sort of more authoritarian regimes who are conquering other people, and you've got your classic. You know, you've got you've got to have your far east. Everyone does Kung Fu and spiritual type thing. There's a desert kingdom with like literally tripping okay. off Egypt. There's like a straight off Anubis and like a crocodile God guy. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a very steampunk place where there's like robots and people with literally cyberware and, and things like that. Um, and sort of high technology. And then there's like a pirate kingdom. And, and the characters in that will range from a guy who just, you know, a, a guy who throws axes around to like a berserkery bloke to at the far end you've got the guy who's the risen emperor of the sand kingdom and is basically a living god uh and you know like and then like robots uh, and, and all kind of you know, different things yeah totally um and so because of that when you say well i want to play a game that's a character that's in that world and people say well play d and d and he said well i mean yeah some of the characters you can see it um, some of these characters are very D&D-ish. And you, you, you'll, see, you'll see posts uh, like YouTube videos of people going, well, how do you make such and such a character? And they'll work through 15 levels to get to the character. And, you say, and they'll say, well, that's an experienced character. They should be level 15. I say, well, yes. But at the same time, if I'm starting out, I want a character that has some interesting quirky powers at level one. And D&D doesn't do that. At level one, you can do one thing. And then at level two, you can do another thing. And by the time you get to level 15, you can do too many things. League of Legends characters in the actual game, you only have three things. You have your basic attack. You'll have three things you can do and a a special thing. And it works a lot like other things like, say, Overwatch, a lot of characters, any kind of hero game you get in computer games nowadays, where they'll have a general thing they're good at, and they'll have a couple of special things, which is, again, why I've said this links into Street Fighter, that you'll have a, a Street Fighter character will have, the original one's had three special moves. Ken and Rye could do a fireball, a fancy uppercut, a spinning thing. And that was it. So they're kind of these, you know, these games haven't changed massively over the years. Any of these kind of fighting hero type games, the characters might have something. They're really good at some special kind of power. And they have sort of three different ways they can express that. So when people say do it in D&D, well, no, because th- these guys can do this stuff at level one and they maybe get better at it. So then, people say, "Well, use, there's a there's a role playing game I, I really like. it. I have kickstarted it called the, the fight system, um, and it does a good job of replicating fighting games. But it literally replicates the fighting game, not not like watching it on a video. Like I saw Mortal Kombat in the cinema last week. The fight wouldn't represent that film. It would represent me sitting down with a friend, both playing with pads, playing a fighting game. <laughs> it's replicating, you know, it's replicating the game in that extent." So I haven't seen a thing where I can have on the same page, um, characters, which seem nominally low powered, but can still do really cool stuff and characters, which are crazy powered and they interact with each other. And like you said earlier, balanced, which is what brings us to the thing that we're kind of mentioning is that a lot of people say, well, what you need to do then is run this in, in a super system, um, And which would seem to make sense. It would make sense because, you know, that's that's classic supers. That is, you know, that is on the one hand, you've got Batman who is, you know, he's really clever, but he's still just a dude with a ton of money and he's bought all this stuff. But then, you know, in the same group, you've got Superman that can just do everything and Wonder Woman, who's a living God. And if you go Marvel, it's the same thing. You've got Captain America. Okay, he's a peak human, but he's a dude. He's a really good dude, but he has a shield.
0: Yeah, you and you're putting him alongside
1: yeah, Thor. Who's, again, a god. Or the yes. Hulk, who's, you know, the strongest thing in the universe. And then they're in the same group as Hawkeye, who's a guy with a bow. Right. Who's just, who just has good eyes. He has good eyes. Yeah, right. And bad hearing. Uh, and... You know, they said. I think this is the third. I well, said this is a genre. This isn't just a setting because we can pick any kind of superhero setting. Um, And actually, I think realistically, and one of the problems I have with playing a superhero role playing game is that having seen, I don't know if you've seen it, have you seen The Boys? I have not. Right. So The Boys is kind of, it's, it's very violent and so on. Um, but it, it kind of looks like that is what would actually happen with real life superheroes. So one of the things that happens right near the start is a guy with super speed runs through I've seen that. I saw, and I, I watched the, the, the trailer piece. And you, well, that's what would happen if you with super speed run into someone who happens to step up in front of you. If you've hit them at five, six hundred miles an hour, they die. If you have super strength and you punch a normal human being, they don't get flung through a wall. Your fist goes straight through them and they die. Um, and so nothing replicates that. OK, we can say, right, well, that's a very specific kind of real world super heroes. Let's just look at the comics. Um, but again, I, I haven't seen, I've seen systems that come close, but I've never seen a system that accurately re- like reflects superheroes and super, the superhero genre. Nowadays,
0: it seems that they, they take one of two, uh, approaches to trying to solve this problem. All those problems, they either go really crunchy and very detailed to provide answers and numbers for any possibility. And I, I would put mutants and masterminds in that. Yeah. Or they go really fluffy, a narrative like fate. I don't know if yeah. you've ever heard of a book. Uh, I don't remember the author's name, but it's a, a series called Wearing the Cape. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Okay. Um, I, I, I read the original book. I really liked it. I read a few of the other ones. I enjoyed them. And the, uh, uh, the author got involved with a Kickstarter to create a fate version of it. I don't like fate for all kinds of reasons. But I thought, well, maybe I'll like fate for this. I still don't like fate. <laughs> but I, I think that at least the attempt to use something that's way more narrative. And if people get on the same page around the table and say this is how our supers world is going to work, maybe that would work better. But like yeah, I I don't have an answer to I think there's a there's a great deal of suspension of disbelief that you have to 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 be willing to do in order to enjoy supers. And that's easy as a consumer, either watching or reading, but the playing of it, making sure that my level of disbelief in yours is comparable enough so that I don't do something with my character that you look at as a kind of a violation of the implied covenant and contract at the table. It, yeah. It's,
1: it's really tough. I, I, I don't have an answer for it, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that's, it's amazing for a set for there's been so many stabs at some of these systems over the years. And I have played quite a bit of mutants and masterminds and at times I've enjoyed it because you can, in that system, make exactly the character you want. Yep. So that's one thing that'd be like tick. And nominally you can have sort of like a really crazy overpowered Superman type Paragon character that can fly and the laser vision and the super strength and put them in the same, party with a batman type uh, or a green arrow type and have spent the same amount of points and have them be sort of balanced in some way which personally i kind of think does it does it really matter the amount of work you have to go through to make those characters because they've gone super detailed so yes you can make the character you want but then they've got all this extra layer on i mean you know, even in the newer versions they still they don't call them feats anymore i think they're called talents but there's still like a feat system in there yep. um and so it's like, well, can't you kind of strip that out? And you can go beyond that and have champions, which I've looked at occasionally. Every time I look at it, it scares me off and I decide not to look at it anymore. You further. break your teeth on it because it's yeah. uh, there's so much. Um, so, and there's there's new ones that have been released here. I've been looking at a game called Paragons and Prowlers, which um, initially looked really cool. And it just, you could make a lot of varied characters. Uh, and it was a straightforward D6 dice rolling thing. And then I kind of looked into it deeper. And in this game, like pretty much whatever your character was good at, you would be rolling 10 or 12 dice. And you could use that to do anything. But it meant that uh, I'm going to use my super speed to attack. I roll 12 dice. I shoot the guy with my really big gun. I roll 12 dice. I use my super strength, 12 dice. You kind of think, this is not, g-. you know, he's just making characters. I was like, okay, I can see straight away what's going to happen here. That actually in play, that might fade into the background, but everyone's going to always default to the thing they can do well, and they're always gonna be rolling the same thing for that thing they can do well, which now feels like no, we've gone we've gone too narrative. It's kind of odd story. Yeah, and it's gonna be really samey. Um there's another new one called Sentinel comics are actually based on I think it's based on a card game, which has now turned into a role-playing game. Uh, and that's got some interesting, cool ideas, but then apparently the character creation for that is done in a really strange way. And again, it's I tried playing it and it was. It was confusing in play some of the decisions they've made. And you think, I can't go back. I think actually, I might as well just go back and play the old Marvel superheroes game that I had in I had in the early 90s. And that was like the second version of that, which people are still releasing now on on the, on the on the internet because they kind of basically just released it to the public and say, right, well, the license is gone. You can just buy all the just take it off the internet. And people are still making stuff of that. And that had massive issues because if you tried to play an anti-hero that would kill people um your character would suffer uh, but you know that's a that's a 2030 well it's a 30 year old system yeah. actually still does about as good a job of playing superheroes of any of the modern ones uh, well the
0: bones of that came out the original yellow box from tsr was i think 83 or 84 later. and then the advanced version the box that i had came out in 85 or 86 i think 86 so yeah it's it it's an it's an odd thing that yeah obviously there are many many issues mechanically with that system but i i do remember paging through the books and when i've looked through the pdfs either reprints of the originals or things that people have created and just released online at least it it feels like marvel yeah it has a look and a feel and the way it's presented and the abilities it it at least looks and feels like marvel which I think maybe that's important. I think it is important, actually, for setting the stage. So your players are like, okay, we're all on the same page. We're 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 doing Marvel. We're not going to do gritty stuff. It's not going to be like the Watchmen. We're gonna we're doing Marvel. Okay, four colors, people. Um, but yeah, mechanically, it's still. I I would love to see a, a, someone come up with a, a a a super system that you can either dial up. Like you're really wazoo level power or, or dialed down. I, I do think it's easier, and we, it, I think it's the same thing with the Force in Star Wars. When you're dealing with lower level abilities or lower level yeah. expressions of those abilities, it's always easier because then they are just inherently less wazoo and, and therefore easier to quantify. The bigger the power gets,
1: again, yeah, Hawkeye is one thing. The Hulk is a totally different issue. Yeah. And I think another problem you have, which is, I don't know how you solve that in a setting, and even if you have a really good rule set, is actually GM in a setting, GM in a Supers game is difficult because Mm -hmm. you can can design a a bunch of baddies that your guys are going to fight. But the reality is you've probably got the super strong, tough baddie that you need your super strong, tough goodie to fight. But if instead they send the psychic guy against that guy, he just falls over. And if they just switch how, I mean actually that's what should happen. Start them off fighting the things, they learn the baddies powers and go, we'll switch, and actually that that would work great. But if they just straight away decide we're going to switch and then the, the battle doesn't work. Um, I think the one game that I have actually seen that did a really good job of doing supers and uh, and it did feel like playing it is there was a Marvel game about. I don't know how long ago it was about eight eight years ago. So there's a New Zealand designer called Cam Banks. And at the time he was working for was it Margaret Weiss Productions or yeah, something?
0: Yeah, that's Marvel Superheroic. Yeah. And he uses a and form of the, cor- the Cortex system. And it yeah, was around for system. about 47 minutes before they lost the license
1: and it disappeared. Yeah. And that's essentially that's the big problem with that system. There's still there's still websites now. And actually, if you look at my blog, you'll realize that about the still the biggest thing on my blog is still. Uh, Marvel heroic role playing because I basically converted a huge chunk of DC characters um, to, to Marvel. And it was easy to do. I, I took my mutants and masterminds DC books and I worked out a conversion thing and I did a really good conversion. And, and a lot of that system, it played like a comic that the, the combat was, was quick. You didn't have long drawn out combats. So it'd be very snappy. You could take out a bad, a bad guy you know, and a couple of panels as it were. Um, and a lot of it felt like it, um, the problem there was—is it very much replicated the feel of a comic. And the minute you wanted characters to go, I want to have uh, like a stealthy thing. Oh, that's a downtime scene. I want them to do something. That's a downtime scene. So it did it did like the comic combat quite well. Um, and you could make interesting characters because mostly it was narrative. So you're writing things and you fit it into the framework of the game. But when you wanted to sort of do slightly different stuff, it then just, oh, you don't need rules for this. You can just sort of, you just ad lib it. Um, which yeah, that made it kind of a bit disappointing stuff. So the combat stuff was good, and it did that good. Um, and I uh, yeah, at points. I've been a big fan of, of the Cortex system. I think it can do a lot. I've tried to do that with League of Legends, ironically, but again, like you said, it was unfortunately that Marvel heroic had sort of two books out for it, and then Marvel pulled the plug on it. Yep. Um, and then we never got a lot of the other stuff because actually, I think that was they did a they did a good job there. Um, but yeah, the I agree. I actually
0: I bought that on PDF and ran it for a short period of time i I dragged my players at that time like please play supers for a little while and they begrudgingly did it and you're right i remember the combat like you know two-fisted and flying around and that that worked yeah and then because of the the nature of how the system dealt with different kinds of tasks and activities it 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 wasn't it it was really satisfying for that it was like having a great stake and then like really crappy sides sitting around it and that was that was disappointing
1: they did a good i mean i think it was actually one of the things when they wrote it they wrote it with a view partly to we want this to be able to people to replicate an existing comic storyline so they they did a good job of going right we're going to do civil war here's the civil war book and you can play through civil war and if you were an xp you won't level up your characters you will unlock Another character that's going to come in and join your party, or you can get Nick Fury to turn up on a heli carrier and shoot the baddies for you. So, which was quite cool. I was I hadn't seen a game like that where it's not about leveling up your character; it was like unlocking extra bonuses as you played through it. But I think if you tried to play your own characters and just your own stories, it didn't work as well. So, and but that was what Marvel had wanted. I think Marvel kind of wanted we want people to be interested in this storyline, so they go and buy our comics. Um, the odd thing, but, though, with that is it. the I
0: think the challenge with it is that the assumption was that you would play existing Marvel characters. Yeah. And so when you get people who are creative on their own and want to make their own characters, it's like when TSR released Indiana Jones almost like 30, you know, almost 40 years ago, they released Indiana Jones and they assume everybody wants to play Indiana Jones. You're like, no, I want to play my own cool character. And they, you, you have a really hard time doing that. That's a, that's an interesting thing that, I mean, that maybe that's fodder for another episode if we had more information about it, but where you've got existing intellectual properties, the owners of which assume that gamers will want to consume it in a certain way. And I'm sorry, I'm not interested in playing Wolverine. I don't want to play Short Round or Jock Lindsay. I want to make my own character and sit
1: in that world. I think that's the, the thing with superhero games. It's like If I'm playing a superhero, I would quite like to play in DC or Marvel or both, but I don't want to play as those characters necessarily. So I'd like to have that option, but I want to be able to make my own characters play along with them. And I think that's another thing. The thing is, you know, when you've got this, you want a game which actually, if it isn't a, an official Marvel or DC game, that at least you could quickly port those characters into it. Um, because, yeah, you don't want to play as those guys, but it'd be nice to play play with them, play in that. we well, you know, if I play as a Star Wars game, I have stats for Stormtroon. I'm playing, I'm playing in the Star Wars. Like you said, when we're playing Star Trek, we have stats for Klingons and stuff. I want to play in the Marvel world or the... I don't necessarily want to play as those characters.
0: Or you can just be like what I was when I was like eleven or twelve and playing villains and vigilantes, and we had Batman going after the Juggernaut. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's all made up anyway.
1: No, we just and who cares? It would. I mean, that was why when I got Marvel Heroic, that was the thing I did. Right, I am converting all of these. This is. I was like, this is a relatively straightforward system. I reckon I can do this easily, and I did. I converted tons of mute of, of DC characters into marvel heroic using like mutants mastermind as a starting point um and it it worked really well but there were there were still things about that system uh that i didn't like and i think at the end there comes down to it supers is a really really difficult you know genre to do because you do have to cope with the you know the, the the punisher who just he has a lot of guns and fighting you know thor who's he's he's a god and his dad's a god and his brother's a god and he has a lot of god friends and it's like yeah and so you got the you got the
0: two problems you got to have the right kind of people and and then you got to have a system that that can do it that can handle it. and yeah i i i would love to find a, a a super system but it's i'm happy with what i now have for star trek uh i'm i'm happy enough the 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 seldom time the very rare times that i play star wars as long as, you know, we just push the force way off into a corner. It's a story element. It's not something the characters yeah. are. Act- it's maybe something the characters get done to them, which yeah. then makes it really easy because I can just hand wave it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, supers is,
1: I got no answer for it. No. Nope. And so my, my quest for a League of Legends game, because essentially I need something that's supers ish or supers adjacent. Uh, I haven't quite got yet, so. there, there. There's your challenge in life now i it. i have to write my own system because <laughs> i have the time good
0: luck and have fun with that <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that no no thank you well cool man good talking to you as usual and uh we'll follow back up uh in the future and we'll uh we'll talk about something else that has
1: to do with this these these games we enjoy so much yeah yeah it was uh, another good one i look forward to the next one
0: Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.